Hi, and welcome to The Balance Club. This is our midweek moment. I'm Beth Burns, theater director, writer, performer, teacher, and mom. Today, I'm hoping that my voice sends you all to sleep. Hopefully not till the end of the podcast, but today I want to talk about sleep because whether you're feeling like hibernating through the darkest midwinter or whether you're down the road from me in sunny Austin, Texas, sleeping, aside from drinking water, is the most important function that you can allow your body to perform. But most of us, aren't sleeping enough, and the quality of our sleep is worsening. Now, quick caveat here that the information in this episode should not be used to replace advice from medical professionals, and if you are seeking medical help for a sleep-based issue, you should continue to do so. The episode is also not specific to the unique sleep challenges faced by night shift workers, although if that's you, you might find some of the tips later on helpful. So, to sleep. Sometimes we have difficulty sleeping because of stress or anxiety, specific or general. On a basic level, we've all had at least the odd night when every thought from the day circles around in our head for hours. It's usually accompanied by an advertising jingle or annoying song that we caught a minute of on the car stereo. But when we don't sleep well, it can feel pretty dreadful the next day. Maybe we snap at someone we love. Maybe we have a sense of sadness, of anxiety that we just don't have the energy to perform the tasks we want to complete. Maybe that big pile of sugary, caffeinated carbohydrates in the store window just looks irresistible because who wants to cook when we're exhausted? Now, a day like that comes around once in a while, and we can deal with it. But what happens when we're consistently undersleeping? Retail mattress firm's widespread annual survey found that the average American slept just five and a half hours per night in 2020. In the UK, a government-funded sleep tracker survey found that the average Brit slept only six hours and 19 minutes in 2020. Now, the recommended quantity of sleep for a healthy adult under 60 is, get ready for it, eight hours a night. And anything under seven hours, we start stacking up a litany of health problems for the immediate and long-term future. As neuroscientist and psychologist Matthew Walker says in his seminal book, Why We Sleep, The recycle rate of a human being is around 16 hours. And after 16 hours of being awake, the brain begins to fail. Humans need more than seven hours of sleep each night to maintain cognitive performance. After 10 days of just six hours of sleep, the brain is as dysfunctional as it would be after going without sleep for 24 hours. And that's not good. There are a whole host of reasons that we might not be getting the amount of sleep we need. Could be the big stuff, like an ill family member losing a job, worries about money. Or it could be a number of small external stressors that we just didn't process properly. A tough day at work, an offhand comment that cut deep, a pile of little irritations from someone close that have built into a carousel that inconveniently whirls around in our brains at three in the morning. 
or we might not be getting enough sleep because we're going to bed too late. And that sounds a little too simple, doesn't it? Just go to bed earlier, right? Well, yes and also no. We'll talk about that in a moment. And the third reason we might not be getting enough sleep is, ironically, that our previous lack of sleep has made us so anxious that now we can't get a good, high-quality night's rest. And that's one heck of a negative feedback loop. If you often find yourself bolting upright in the middle of the night, or you're waking up exhausted and unprepared for your day, the first thing that's super helpful to do is identify what is causing the bad night's sleep. Is it big stuff? Or is it a minor irritant that needs a quick resolve? Did you go to bed too late, or were you just generally too anxious to settle? Sometimes it can be a combination of two or more of these things, but I'm going to look at each one and offer some suggestions that might work for you in your life and your schedule. So first, the big stuff. I mean, a global pandemic and all of its consequences is a fair reason to not be sleeping well. But I think it's important to separate out what are generalized big concerns and what are specific stressors, as that can help you find a solution to whatever is most upfront in mind for you. If you have a specific stressor, then a really good way to deal with it is allocate a relevant amount of time to it during your day when you're awake. If you're struggling to pay your rent, if you need a new job, if you're caring for an ill parent, all of these things are incredibly important and incredibly draining and require significant time in order to manage them. But if you can protect your sleep, the thing that will energize and nourish you through these challenging moments, you will be better equipped to find solutions. So carve out time in your day to look at your options, and if that means foregoing smaller stuff like tidying up or returning a friend's call that day, so be it. It's good to give yourself time and space to solve the big problems, or at least to have the awareness that you're writing them out and that they will pass. If, however, you find yourself constantly worrying about things that you can't change, or things that might happen but haven't yet, then the solution is probably not about sitting down and working out how to fix the world in a week. That's an impossible task over which we have no control. You may find yourself with general anxiety that leads you to seek out problems and then fret over them. That can spiral very quickly. Now, if you find yourself looking for issues, let's say around the pandemic, then a few quick tips for mindset would be take social media off your phone. Stop reading the news aside from a reliable source and no more than once a day. And find something else proactive to fill your time, something work-related, or do a puzzle, clean the bathroom, go for a run. Organize the things you have control over and scrap the rest. As Harold Stephen Black, the renowned inventor, said, There's a great difference between worry and concern. A worried person sees a problem, and a concerned person solves a problem. So let's try to solve the problems that are in our sphere of influence and that will help to put our mind at ease. In return, when we get into bed at night, our sleep will hopefully come a little easier and the quality of it will be better. Next, let's think about the little daily irritations that can build up and interrupt our sleep. It can be useful to think about this like a domino effect when one irritation leads to another, which leads to a bad habit and another. If we can stem the flow at the source, then we can make provision for clear thinking at the end of the day when it's time to rest. A really good practice after a difficult day is to write down your thoughts and feelings. And some people call it journaling, but you don't have to have a special book or even keep those pieces of paper. You can write it down and then throw it in the trash. But the physical act of writing thoughts is incredibly cathartic. Writing it down is 
like a two-way conversation between yourself earlier in the day and yourself right now in this moment with clarity. Another good practice is scheduling an amount of time to talk through stressors, either with a colleague or a partner or a friend. There's a strict rule here, though. You must limit the time and not allow yourself to go round and round on the same points, as that can be counterproductive. And also, make sure you choose your audience well, because talking to another person can sometimes result in them trying to offer you an unsuitable solution or, you know, in support, them fueling your resentment and anger without helping you let it go. A third good practice for minor irritants is get organized. Spend 10 minutes at the end of the day writing a to-do list for the following day or week. That might include any tricky conversations you need to have or may just be the things you need to buy from the store, a list of emails you need to send. But getting everything short-term out of your head before you go to bed is a really good way to prepare for rest. If we don't dump out these minor thoughts in a timely manner, they can escalate. They can lead us to engage in habits that aren't conducive to good sleep. For example, we might stress drink or stress eat at the end of a long day and then find we wake up in the middle of the night with heartburn or needing to use the bathroom. By the time we're lying back down, our brain has woken up and is poking at us about all the little things we didn't resolve earlier in the day. Or we might feel angry from a minor irritation and channel that into a pre-bedtime argument with a partner or kids. And then we feel bad, which adds another layer to the growing pile of emotional trash to deal with. Or we might hide away from our thoughts by looking at social media, watching too much TV. And then the feelings triggered by the day might be more likely to pop up into our brains in the middle of the night. So, writing things down having a scheduled amount of time to talk to someone about our issues, or writing a detailed to-do list for the following day so that our heads are clear, are really strong ways to get a good night's sleep. So, what if we're just habitually going to bed too late? Because in truth, most people are. Due to the invention of the electric light bulb in the late 19th century, we're now exposed to much more light at night than throughout our entire evolution. This relatively new pattern of light exposure is almost certain to have affected our patterns of sleep. Exposure to light in the late evening tends to delay the phase of our internal clock, and it leads us to prefer later sleep times. Simply put, electric light at night leaves our circadian rhythms out of whack, and blue light from TVs and phone screens is a well-documented suppressor of the secretion of melatonin, the hormone that regulates the sleep-wake cycle. It's why we're told not to watch TV before bed, which is much easier said than done in the middle of a winter lockdown. But after a long day of work, childcare, life admin, we may feel that we deserve to have some time to ourselves to relax, which is maybe when the TV and the rich food and the alcohol, the Zoom calls or the phone calls all start. And because our rooms are lit and there's noise coming from all angles, of course we don't feel tired. We feel wired. And then it gets to bedtime and our body is overtired and confused and we expect it just to get itself into bed and go straight to sleep after all that evening stimulation. When we do that in a repeated cycle, we're asking too much of our bodies and our brains. We're reacting with emotion rather than parenting ourselves with a bit of logic. The psychotherapist and author Amy Morin in her book 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do says two things are key here. First, she says, quote, we make our best decisions in life when we balance our emotions with rational thinking, 
end quote. And secondly, she says, quote, lack of sleep greatly impairs your ability to make good decisions, end quote. So there's that feedback loop again. You know, yes, you might really want to stay up and finish your movie or stay on the phone with your friend, or you might feel guilted into tidying your house after a messy day or writing that report you didn't get to finish. That's the emotional. But listen to the rational too. You will feel much worse losing an hour's sleep than you'll feel good for watching the rest of that movie. You, know, you had a good short talk with your friend and you can call her again tomorrow if you like. And if you go to bed now, it will take you half the time to tidy your house or write that report in the morning because you'll be energized and not resentful that you're missing out on sleep to do it. But if you don't go to bed now and you do stay up late, tomorrow you will be making worse decisions due to your lack of sleep. It's so simple and yet so complicated because we all feel the pull of emotion. You may not want to go to bed because you're lonely or you're a little afraid of your house at night, or because you're dreading what tomorrow brings. These are all valid reasons. But if you can kick the logic in and get rested, your body and your brain will thank you for it. Okay, next up, I have a short, realistic, and achievable list of things to suggest to help you get to bed on time and sleep well. Some of these things are quite well known, but I think it's good to remind ourselves of them because if we're not doing them at least three times a week, we've probably forgotten about them. First, go to bed at the same time as often as you can. It'll help set your body clock and provide for better quality sleep. Second, keep your room cool if you can. Between 60 and 65 degrees Fahrenheit or 15 to 18 degrees Celsius is optimal. Third, Avoid doing stressful or stimulating activities right before bed if you can, like doing work or discussing big emotional issues, arguing. Physically and psychologically stressful activities can cause the body to secrete the stress hormone cortisol, which is associated with increased alertness. So something authentically, not artificially relaxing at the end of the day is the way to go. Fourth, get yourself as much natural light as possible during the day to help regulate your internal clock. Let light into your room first thing in the morning and get out into the fresh air at least once during the day. Fifth, if you've set yourself a sensible bedtime, start thinking about it about uh, an hour and a half before you're due to get ready to sleep. Bolster your decision by thinking about how you'll feel in the morning after a great night's rest and how, if you go to bed late and sleep badly, how you might show up for work or how you might snap at your kids or your partner, you might eat badly because you're tired and need a quick fix. Cheerlead yourself into bed at a sensible time by reminding yourself why you're doing it. And if you need help with that reminder, I'll finish up today with another quote from the sleep sage, Matthew Walker. He says quite simply, quote, When sleep is abundant, minds flourish. When it is deficient, they don't. End quote. And that's it from me. Have a great day, y'all, and I'll see you back here next week.